Hi guys, welcome to Hold Up Let's Talk. Today I've got with me as my co-host Elena, who's the Education and Support Group Coordinator for Mental Health Foundation Australia. Welcome Elena. Hi Abby, thank you so much for having me as your guest host. It's lovely to have you with us. So today's topic is study and stamina and with us today we have Lisa Mishka who is currently doing his year 12 education. How is everything going for you Luca? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Everything's going really well. I've had a lot of success with um, year 12 so far and I've done really well in a lot of sacks. So yeah, I'm really happy. Amazing. That's wonderful to hear. So study is halfway through the year as well. Yeah. <laughs> halfway through the year, does that mean you have a lot of um, the half year exams coming up? Uh, not half year exams. But we've had a lot of sacks recently and um, yes, just a lot of sacks. So for anyone who might not be from Australia listening, SACs are our, it's been a while since I was in year 12, but SACs are basically our accessible tasks that you do, do throughout the year that count to your end of year marks. Would that be the best way to explain it, Luca? Yeah, just sort of assessments throughout the year, just about each outcome. Yeah. So study is something that all of us have had to do at some point in our lives. And let's be honest, it's not the most fun thing that we do sometimes. Yeah, it's definitely not most, one of the most fun things that we do. I think if I was to go back to high school or full-time uni, I definitely would concentrate more on uni instead of my social aspects, for sure. Um, so, Luca, we've given all of our podcast uh guests so far a meme because as I've already told our guests I spend too much of my time on Instagram and not enough doing the other things I need to do in my life uh, for example today I've got a load of washing that's been sitting in my washing machine and I've spent about two hours on Instagram so take from that what you will but we've got a little meme here and to anyone listening if you guys head to our Instagram page you'll be able to see this on our feed and it's Homer Simpson sitting with his arms crossed in front of an open book saying I'll study better at night and then me at 10 p.m asleep and I know I have related to that a lot uh do you think that's generally what a lot of students these days especially coming into this post-covid hybrid study world are feeling at the moment um I think a lot of people have learned to study better at night I think everyone's used to it staying up a lot later um, and almost getting stamina through the night. Um, but for me, I, I can't study past about 8.30 at night. So I have to re really utilise the day and the weekends and, and breaks in between classes. Mm. Um, so for me, at about 10 o'clock, uh, I would yeah be pretty close to asleep or at least in my room winding down. Um, yeah. And by about 10 o'clock, I sort of – I like to watch um, – light TV shows or a light movie, um, just sort of as I fall asleep. So I love Modern Family. Um, so, yeah, at about 8.30 to 9.30, um, I'll generally be watching Modern Family instead of studying. Well, that leads us perfectly sort of into our topic today because, like you said, environments are really important to so many things that we do in our lives. Uh, what's the best way that you find that you study? Are there sort of certain times that you said you study better or do you prefer certain environments like you've already mentioned that daytime is sort of better for you compared to the night yeah so for me I find studying in the mid-morning to early afternoon the easiest so from about 
10 in the morning to about 2.30. So I think I'm most productive between those times. I can study outside of these times, um, but I do find I study a lot more productively during the mid-morning to early afternoon. And realistically, I'm sort of I'm still waking up before nine in the morning, so I find it a little bit challenging to retain um, information. And sort of with when it's night, I can't study past eight thirty. I get really irritable, and what sort of is really easy during the day to study, it just is it drains a lot more out of me at night, and I just can't retain it. Mm. Um, but for me, I like to study, I like doing practice papers before assessments. Um, and something that I've really used um, this year is recording myself reading my notes. So I'll, I'll write down all my notes in a book or on a cards, and then I'll record myself saying them. And so I'll put them into a file on my phone. So about two days before the assessment, instead of listening to music on the train, I'll actually listen to my notes and just listen to myself saying it over and over. Um, yeah, so that works for me. And then, like, with, if I use um, if I use cue cards, I'll use different coloured cue cards for each subject. So for me, health and human development use yellow cue cards, um, and I'll use different coloured pens and different coloured highlighters just to attract my attention. And I don't use the same colour on every card. So something that might be in black on one card, I'll use blue the next or red the next, just to keep my brain sort of a little bit alert. Um, yeah, so I find if I get home to study, I get just too relaxed. So instead I, I try and stay at the library for as long as I can because once I get home, I start unwinding and the tram or the train home, I just get too relaxed. So I love going to the Melbourne City Library. It's a lot quieter than the State Library. Um, I did struggle to find a table today, but apart from that, yeah, I really love the library. Um, I just go straight to the quiet study space. There are tables, there's yeah. chargers for my phone and laptop. And generally I'll stay there either until it's, it's all the work's done, um, if I have to go back to class, or if it's just one of those days where I can't study, I'll, um, then I might head home and have a bit of a break and start again. Yeah, but that's really good. You sort of listen to how you feel and act from there, like, I don't know about you, Elena, but I know I really would be like, all right, it's exam time. Let's pull these all-nighters. Let's get all of this done. But then I was typing notes and writing notes, but I wasn't retaining anything I was studying. And it was just a waste of time where I could have slept and then come back to it fresh. Yeah. See, I'm probably the opposite to you, Luca. I was the person that got up at like 4 a.m., and I was like, hit the ground running, get up really, really early and try and cram as much as, into my brain as possible before I started the day. Because I just knew by 7, 8 p.m. I was, I was done. I was a zombie. And I just needed to sleep. But I guess different things work for different people. And I guess you just have to really, you know, find your groove. And it's, it's different studying at school as it is to studying at university. So you kind of just grow into these different um routines I guess and if if you're working like if you have sport after school or if you have other social activities that can all really affect when and what time you study yeah totally and you know what if there's any school to uni students listening out there do your readings when they're assigned for you I know I used to ignore so many of mine but they were so important at the end of the day that I just I wish I knew that in my first and second year. Yeah. Absolutely. 
So much like workplaces, schools have definitely been changing over the years and there's much more of a focus on mental health and well-being in general. Luca, have you found that your teachers are becoming more attuned to understanding that depression just isn't about being sad or anxiety isn't just about being constantly worried? Um, uh, yeah, I think, I think schools have definitely adapted to the needs of, of students' mental health. Um, a lot of the times teachers, um, instead of just sending someone straight to the counsellor, a lot of the time, well, in my experience, that they've actually opened their doors instead and, and they've tried to offer um, their own support. And from my experience, RMIT's student services are really incredible. They've, they've got a, um, a card that they give to kids who, who might be having a tough time. And it's got uh, Beyond Blue um, suicide hotlines and that sort of things. But they've also got their own internal after-hours crisis line. Um, and I was just so impressed at that. I thought that was really great. Um, I still think there are misconceptions about what depression and anxiety are. And I think we're still looking um, to be a bit more attuned to the needs of, of some students. But I think that um, with depression, I think we all know that the common symptom is, is low mood and feeling sort of low and, and sad. Um, but I think sometimes these symptoms are misinterpreted. And I think some people still think if someone's really struggling to get out of bed, they're considered really lazy instead mm -hmm. of someone who actually might be struggling. Yeah. Um, and I think that anxiety is also a little bit um, misunderstood and I think it's easily dismissed a lot of the time. And instead of um, taking on board what someone says, it, it is dismissed. But I think we've definitely come a long way and I, I, I don't see much uh, anxiety being dismissed. So I, I really think that's great. Um, but it is difficult for teachers to help and reach out if they're not given some guidance by yeah. um, whether the individual, friends or family. And I think teachers face a really um, a big challenge with confidentiality because if a student confines in that teacher, mm -hmm. um, it's really difficult for that teacher to work out what the next steps are. Um, if, for example, mandatory reporting, um, if the student's told them something that is really serious, um, does that teacher then have to report it to the police or to home, um, but also to the other to the students, other teachers? Because mm -hmm. if that student that student deliberately confined in one teacher, and it's really hard for that teacher to know if they should tell the students others the students other teachers. So I think they do face a bit of a challenge there. But I think it's it is also difficult because teachers are teachers; they're not they're not psychologists or they're not therapists. And it is, um, I think at times it can be a little bit unrealistic and sometimes maybe a little bit unfair to expect that teachers are mind readers, especially if they're not given a little bit of guidance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that I think you've hit the nail on the head with what you're saying. I think it would be quite beneficial for a lot of our teachers to also have mental health um, birthday training yeah. to be able to kind of recognise the warning signs if, students aren't coping with particular issues and subjects or yeah be able to recognize it and assist their students in other ways but like you said they are trained in a different profession and it's difficult to kind of raise that awareness. Mm. You touched on it before Luca about how schools have counsellors with that yeah. do you know if other students tend to reach out to them if they need any help 
Um, I think from my experience and what you know, people have told me and, and a little bit of what I've seen, I think those doors are being opened. I think those conversations are being started. Mm-hmm. But I think the tricky thing with a school counsellor is that it's often knowing where the counsellors are, which is really great, but it's also a bit stigmatising if all the other students know where the counsellors go and then that student has to walk into the building and, like, during a period change where the bell's gone and all the students are out. So I think that's maybe a little bit of an obstacle some students could face. Um, but I think, yeah, I think students are beginning to seek help internally and externally. Um, but, yeah. Mm, that's a really good point that you make where if you know where someone's going, it might prevent them from getting help because... I mean, I guess what that's what we're trying to do with this podcast and all of the other things Mental Health Foundation does is try to get rid of that stigma. So if you are reaching out for help, no one is going to judge you for it or think of you any differently. So that's a really good point that you bring up. Yeah, and I, th- I think that is changing. I think over the last maybe five years, I think there's less and less stigma each few months or each year. Mm. Um, But, yeah, I think it it can, for some students, might be a little bit hard still. But I think it is definitely getting easier. Yeah. What do you think are some of the um, the things or activities or events that are helping to reduce the stigma within your school? Um, I think it's spoken about. And I think, um, like, it's becoming normalised, I think, and that, it's normal for students to take maybe a mental health day or or even a teacher sometimes to take a mental health day. And I think even if it's one person or one teacher that say, you know, hey, I think I need a mental health day, I think that's a conversation started. And I think that's really good. And like I said, with, with RMIT, um, they've got a VCE school, they, they offer those student cards and it's got a whole heap of, of numbers and services people can call. Mm-hmm. And they're being offered and handed out, which I think is really awesome. That's incredible. Um, so motivation and energy will sometimes go hand in hand with one fueling the other. How do you find both of these plays with each other for you? Um, when I don't have much energy, tasks can seem a lot more a lot more challenging and then I, I feel a bit unmotivated if I'm if I don't have much energy and it's been a long day and I have to go to the library. It's just, it's a little bit unmotivating. So I sort of, you know, I take time out and I might go for a walk, um, have some water and then just start and, and just breaking things down if I don't have much energy. Um, for me, yeah, if I'm unmotivated, I have to adapt my day a little bit and use slightly different routine. Um, and for me, you know, I've been, I've loved cycling and I've been cycling for about five years now. Um, and when I'm unmotivated, you know, sometimes I get on the bike and it just helps. Um, but even sometimes if you don't have much energy to, to get on the bike is really difficult because you have to put your kid on, you have to put your cycling shoes on. It, it is sometimes a long process. Instead, yeah. if I really am unmotivated, I'll go for a walk instead. Mm-hmm. But I say to my, I sort of have to acknowledge to myself that a walk I know for me, I don't have much energy, a walk isn't enough to get me really motivated again. So I have to take that into consideration. Get but, your heart rate pumping a little bit more. Yeah, get those yeah. endorphins going, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, when I'm energetic and I have more motivation, then I can just tick off things really quickly and just get through them. And the day just flows with it. Once you start ticking those things off, it's, it's a little bit difficult to have a bad day. That is true. Nothing like a good to-do list to keep you going sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> the ticks. So how you feel can really affect how you perform as well, which we've just sort of spoken about. Like, I know when my mood is really poor, I struggle to concentrate. And even when I'm really overjoyed, I struggle to concentrate like at that stage too. What mechanisms other than going for a walk have you sort of found that both yourselves as well as the people around you incorporate into your day-to-day, let's say schoolwork, but as well as general life as well? Yeah, so mechanisms I've sort of discovered or rediscovered this year is splitting my week. I love splitting my week. So my week, I split it into three. So I've got, for me, I have Monday through Wednesday, and that's sort of the big chunk, big heart of the week. And then from Thursday till Friday, which is sort of take it easy and the week's almost over. And then for me, Saturday, Sunday, and then the week just starts up again. Mm. Um, I, I like taking moments out of my day, even if it's just the walk to the library um, or even if it's just watching a bit of, you know, a bit of bad TV and a bit of bad acting. I, I like that sometimes. Me too. Acting <laughs> TV always makes you feel better. Very <laughs> yeah. Um, and then things, yeah, like for me, if I'm walking into the city, I'm walking into school, I find that really grounding. And I could get off at Melbourne Central Station and walk down because it's faster. Um, but instead I get off at Flinders and I just walk through, mm. through the city and, and I might be um, one of the only people that really love winter. I just love the cold. And so like the last few days, I've just loved walking through the city. It's raining. It's everyone sort of hustling and shuffling. Um, so for me, I really like that. Um, but then in the afternoon, and then for me in the afternoon, I, um, I don't want to be trapped in the city loop on a train. So instead I go through, um, I get the tram, the 59 tram home, and I just get to leave the city and I get to sort of see just that, just that image of the city as everyone's going home and everyone's packing up for the day. And then just going through Parkville, just down Flemington Road, just sort of seeing that real greenery of Parkville. And I love that. And then I'm almost home. And then I just have walk straight down the street I live on. So I just go straight down. And then I'm home and I find that's really helpful. Um, but then like I use a diary. I have a really sort of nice diary and I, and I use that and I just think of all the things I have to do in a day. So as I, and even when I walk, so when I'm walking, I'll think about all the things I have to do in the day. So, and I'll tick them off in my head. So as I'm walking to school, I think of all the things I have to do. And then as I'm walking to the library, I'll think of all the study things I have to do and everything that needs to get ticked off. And I find that's really helpful. It's just because I know what I'm doing and I don't have to sort of guess and do that. And then like today on a Wednesday, usually I'll, um, I'll have my diary and I'll flip to the next week and I'll just look at what's in my week. What I need to know is anything due. Am I seeing anyone? Um, yeah. So I just put everything in my diary. So that's really helpful. Um, but then like if I'm really stressed or I'm really nervous or something's coming up, 
as I said, I love cycling and often I go into my garage. And for me, I love my garage. I find it's really sort of peaceful. And I've got my bikes, I've got my tools, I've got everything I need. And so generally, I've rediscovered cleaning my bike again. So I, I spend about an hour and a half every yeah. Saturday, I just, every Friday or Saturday, and I get my bike out. I clean it, I put polish on it, I degrease it, and just so it's ready for the week ahead. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so I've, yeah, I've really loved that. Um, like yeah. yourself, Luca, I am a massive procrastinator. <laughs> I cannot get anything done until I have a tidy workplace or the kitchen cleaned or I just have to clean something and then I feel like, yeah, that task is done. I feel <laughs> happy and now I can focus on other things I need to do. I find it so therapeutic. Yeah. yeah, I agree, except I'm a baker and my housemates mm. used to hate me around oh. exam time because they'd be oh. like please stop making everything because all we're doing is eating and we're all gaining weight and I'm like it's fine it's fine it's exam weight it doesn't count <laughs> oh my gosh I would love to have a housemate that would just clean all the time oh uh, yeah you know I what know Elena you, you clean I cook we'll make a good team there we go, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um so it's been quite well documented now that half of all mental health conditions that a person experiences in their life have started by age 14. Um, and so for most students in Australia, this is year seven or eight. Like when I look back at some of the things I wore in year seven, I wouldn't even be able to look myself in the eye. So how was like, if I'm not expected to bring my fashion sense with me, into my 20s and my 30s like how am I meant to bring a mental health condition with me I guess given that you guys Luca you and your friends are sort of just past this period in your life do you think you've been empowered with the tools that you need to manage future stresses that life kind of throws at you um yeah I think as times are progressing I think young people are being empowered to manage their own sort of help and, and seek help um, individually. And I think empowerment has been really big. Um, and I've been told and I hear and I see a lot more people talking about things that have happened and not just with, um, with sort of the more, with more common mental health difficulties like depression, anxiety, but also sort of um, other mental health conditions are being spoken about. And I think that's really great. And I think there is a lot of empowerment in just saying, you know, I've experienced this or, someone I know has experienced this. I think there is a lot to that. Um, but I also think that empowerment comes from within. And I think that so people can push you to help and, and people can try and help. But I think ultimately you need to find that within yourself. You need to find that thing that you love, your passion. And, and for me, that's mental health. I, I love that. And I love um, doing things like these and just talking about things and starting these conversations. And for me, I find that really empowering. Um, and I think it's, you know, those strategies and those mechanisms that I use um, in my day. And I think that these strategies, they don't work in isolation. I can't, if I'm having a bad day, I can't just get the tram to make me feel better that it, it won't work. I have to use all these combinations of things. And I think as you do get older, as you get through seven, year seven, eight, nine, and 10, I think you slowly discover what strategies work for you. And so I think maybe... I think even maybe at primary school, we need to sort of, we need to start looking at, well, if someone does experience something, what strategies can they use? And 
we need more than one, two, or even three sometimes mm. because if it is a bad day or a bad bad week, even you need you need your own strategies to to help get you through it. Um, yeah. Luca, what do you think in regards to strategies? What do you think we should be seeing more of in schools um, um, for the mental health of students and for teachers as well? Yes, yeah, so I think that. Um, a lot of schools or, you know, a bit of friends and, and family have, um, I think in schools we're seeing sort of well-being spaces. And I think that, you know, if a student is having a hard time, I, I, I believe that they, if they've got a good relationship with the teacher, that there are spaces for them just even just to sit for however long that person needs. They can listen to music. Maybe they can watch something on their phone and they sort of just get the chance to regroup, calm down, and then I think you can tackle, you know, the, the next part of the day. And even if you have to go back to that, that space, it, it does help. And I think having those spaces remove a lot of stigma. I think it shows that, you know, that school is, is ready to have these conversations. They're ready to start these, these journeys with students. Um, and I think, you know, I think some schools have, have positions where, where students have leadership and, and given captaincies or, or whatnot about mental health and I think with all it needs is that person that captain that that person just to have a conversation whether it's at assembly or, or an email to the year level or cohorts and it just starts these conversations and I think we also need to look at the well health and mental health and well-being for teachers because it can be really tolling I think for teachers mm. to um, you know I think teaching is really rewarding both my parents are teachers um, and for them, it's really rewarding, but sometimes there are days where it's been hard, whether a student's had a hard time or um, colleagues have had a hard time. So I think um, even a space for staff at, at schools to, um, to have a period where they can just relax, whether, and sometimes during lunch or morning tea, teachers don't want to talk with other teachers. They just want to just relax and, and concentrate on what's happened and just be in the moment. So I think, yeah. That is very true. Like sometimes you do need a break from like your coworkers and everyone and you just want to sit for a bit and you don't often get that, especially if you're on like on duty, on yard duty and like recess and lunch, like you don't get to have that time if you're having a really hard day. So yeah, yeah, it's really true. It's like not just students that need the help. It's obviously teachers too. Um, but yes, Luca, thank you so much for your time today. We really enjoyed chatting to you. Thanks for having me. That's <laughs> lovely to have you. But before we head off, there is one question we'd like to ask you, and you're probably so sick of this question, but do you know what you'd like to do after you finish year 12 this year? Yeah, for me, I think um, mental health is really something I'm passionate about and something I think I can make a difference in. So for me, um, working in a career with, with mental health, like a psychologist, and, and just being able to be someone's support and be someone who someone can call or someone to talk to, I think, yeah, I think that's my calling. I love that. That's so great to hear. Um, so for anyone who'd like more information about the Mental Health Foundation, head to our website at www.mhfa.org.au. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. 
If you'd like to know more information about our Youth Ambassador Program that Luca is a part of, you can find all of that on our website as well. So thanks, Luca, once again for all your time. And thanks Thank to um, my wonderful co-host today, Elena. Thank you, Abby. And thank you, Luca, and good luck with the rest of Year 12. Before we head off, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we work. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders, past, present and emerging, and celebrate their cultural contribution to society. Hold Up, Let's Talk is intended to be a general conversation podcast for all things in the mental health space. If you found our topic of discussion today to have been triggering for you and you'd like to discuss it, please give us a call on 1300 643 287. If you're not comfortable talking on the phone, you can always send us an email at admin at mhfa.org.au. Alternatively, you can also call Lifeline on 13 11 14. For more information on what Mental Health Foundation Australia is doing, head to our website at mhfa.org.au or follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. Until next time, let's keep talking.